So Paul prayed this prayer so that the believers would understand that God has given us potential energy. God has the, the, all the energy of God. It's his potential. It is Kratos. It is Kratos. But it is not enough for the Kratos to be there. The Kratos has to be tamed to dunamis. And how is the Kratos tamed to dunamis? It's in the scripture. It says that, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To ask what who believe. Who believe? Who believe? It makes you see that it is your faith. It is when you believe that the Kratos is tamed to dunamis. It is when you believe that the potential energy of God is turned into kinetic energy. I'm going to be talking about the efficient prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap, offering. I'm going to share with you on the efficient prayers. How many of you know the efficient prayers? How many of you have heard of the efficient prayers? How many of you pray the efficient prayers? The efficient prayers is located, there are two actually. There's one in Ephesians chapter 1 and there's another in Ephesians chapter 3. And the efficient prayers are, they are very, a powerful set of prayers. Powerful set of prayers. And it's my desire that you come to that place where you, you are always praying those prayers. In my, in my growth in the Lord, I first came across a book by the man of God, Kenneth E. Hagan. And the title of the book is Understanding the Anointing. Tell the to Understanding the Anointing. And when I read that book by Kenneth Hagan, I saw the hand of God that was strong upon him. I saw the glory of God in his life and his ministry. I was so fascinated by the man of God, Kenneth E. Hagan, that I desired to read more, on, read more of his books to find out what is it that has made Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Hagan. And I got another book by Kenneth Hagan. The title of the book is The Believer's Authority. And when I was reading the book, The Believer's Authority, Kenneth Hagan said something about the efficient prayers. He said that the turning point in his life began when he had prayed the efficient prayers more than a thousand times. The turning point in his life began when he had prayed the efficient prayers more than a thousand times. Tell me to more than a thousand times. And I was so impressed by that, and I was like, wow, if the turning point in Kenneth Hagen's life began when he had prayed the efficient prayers more than a thousand times, then me to have to pray the efficient prayers. So I, I studied the efficient prayers, and I began to pray the efficient prayers. And I'll be honest with you that I experienced a turning point in my Christian life after praying the efficient prayers severally, probably more than a thousand times. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so... I'm, as I'm teaching you on the efficient prayers, I want you to study the efficient prayers and I want you to also begin to pray the efficient prayers. And don't just pray the efficient prayers for yourself, but pray it for your loved ones, pray it for your sheep, pray it for souls. If you want someone to become strong in the Lord, you pray the efficient prayers. Hallelujah. The, 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 the crux of the New Testament revelation, we have it in the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Those, these four books, then, they constitute the cracks or the centrality of the New Testament revelation. I've never read the book of Galatians before. Read the book of Ephesians, 
Philippians, Colossians, hallelujah. Now, the apex of the Pauline epistles, the apex of the Pauline epistles is the book of Ephesians. The apex of the Pauline epistles is the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, that is where we have the efficient prayers. That's where we have the efficient prayers. And it makes, so it, I'm just saying so that you appreciate those prayers. That Charlie, it's a very serious prayer. Hallelujah. It's a very serious prayer. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 says that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Christ Jesus unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the... Uh, I'm putting the book of Ephesians. <laughs> to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved, in whom also we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which had abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in... I hope you are not lost. <laughs> I pray that you love the word of God. So he said that, that in the dispensation of the fullness... You know, today I'm just teaching on, on the Ephesians prayer, but one day I'll teach on the book of Ephesians verse by verse. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Hallelujah. Next verse. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, which worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Verse 15. Wherefore, I, we are coming to the Ephesian prayers. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you. Paul is now praying the prayer. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and mind and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the other to come and he had put all things under his feet and has given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Give the Lord a clap of him. 
let's get you let's jump to Ephesians 3 let me just read the let me just the the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 okay from verse 14 Paul said for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Say, I'm filled with all the fullness of God. I'm filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Let's get back to Ephesians 1. Verse 15. So I'm now going to teach on the Ephesian prayers. Like I said, there's one in Ephesians chapter 1, and there's also another in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays for the believers that they will have revelation. They would have revelation. So the prayer in Ephesians 1 is for revelation. And the prayer in Ephesians 3 is for experience. It's for experience. Hallelujah. The prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 Paul prayed that prayer so that the believers would have revelation. So look at it. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you. I cease not to give thanks for you. So Paul is teaching us that we must learn to give thanks for the believers. Hallelujah. Learn to give thanks for your sheep. Learn to give thanks for your brothers. Learn to give thanks for your sisters. He says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So what we have to do when we are praying also, we have to mention the names of people in our prayers. When you are, pray, when you are praying for your sheep, don't just pray, Father, I thank you for my sheep. They are blessed in Jesus' name. Learn to mention their names. Hallelujah. Learn to mention their Father, I thank you for Herman. I thank you for Ruby. Thank you for Frico. You know, mention their names. Mention the names of your family members in prayer. Hallelujah. It says, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. So you have to understand that when we are praying, we pray to God the Father. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. The Father is the source of all things. Hallelujah. The Father is the source of all things. And we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So you can see Paul is saying that, he said, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's in the knowledge of God. So from this scripture and from this prayer, I realize that we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So there is the knowledge of God, but before you can access the knowledge of God, you need a wise spirit. And the knowledge of God has to be unveiled to you. That's why you have to pray this prayer. That's why you have to pray this prayer. Because God has to reveal himself to you. The Bible tells us that unto us it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So God has to reveal himself to you, and God has to reveal the secrets and the mysteries of his kingdom to you. And that's why Paul prayed that word. We would have, we would receive the spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Wisdom is comprehensive insight 
into the ways and purposes of God. So when you have the spirit of wisdom, what it means is that you, are, you have insight into the ways and purposes of God. You have insight into the ways and purposes of God. So we need a spirit of wisdom. And number two, we need revelation. We need revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is an unveiling. Revelation is an unveiling. When something has been covered and the veil is taken away, that is what we call revelation. Hallelujah. So something can be there, but if it has not been revealed to you, you will not see it. If you enter this place and this pulpit is covered with a cloth, you wouldn't know that this, pulp, this is a pulpit because it has been covered with a cloth. But when the cloth is removed or when the veil is removed, then you see that what? It is a pulpit. That means that when that happens, that means that the pulpit has been revealed to you. The pulpit has already been there, but when the veil is removed, then the pulpit has been revealed to you. So the knowledge of God is there. The knowledge of God is there. But the knowledge of God has to be revealed to you. Amen. And that is why it's so important to pray this prayer. When you pray this prayer, number one, you get, you get wisdom. Your spirit becomes wise. And number two, the knowledge of God is unveiled to you. Hallelujah. Why do we have to pray for revelation? Why do we have to pray for revelation? Why do we have to pray for revelation? The reason why we have to pray for revelation, the spirit of, we have to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation is because, number one, it is with our hearts and our spirits that we can understand spiritual things. It is with your heart and your spirit that you can understand spiritual things. You can't understand spiritual things with your mind. You can't understand spiritual things with your feelings. It is with your heart and your spirit. So when you pray the efficient prayers, you are conditioning your heart to be able to understand spiritual things. Hallelujah. When you pray the efficient prayers, you are, you are conditioning your heart. When you pray for the spirit of revelation, you are conditioning your heart to be able to understand spiritual things. Amen. Then when you pray the efficient prayers also, or when you pray for revelation, you are able to see what God is saying. You are able to see what God is saying. When you get to verse 18, verse 18, Paul said that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know the eyes of your understanding. Other translations say that the eyes of your heart being enlightened. So when you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you get to a place where the eyes of your heart are enlightened. The word enlightened, that it says flooded with light. So the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding are flooded with light. So that you can, you know the hope of his calling. You will know. The word know there, the Greek word for know there is idol. And it means to see and perceive. To see and perceive. So when the eyes of your understanding are flooded with light, you can now see what God is saying. And that is when faith comes alive. Have you, ever, have you realized when someone is talking to you and you don't understand, you go like, ah, I don't understand what you're saying. Then the person begins to explain further. Then you go like, oh, I see, I see, I see. It, as you are seeing it, you are understanding. <laughs> that is why you are seeing. And that's why Paul prayed that word. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may see. The word no there is to see. That you may see and perceive. Amen. So when you pray for revelation and you pray the efficient prayers, your heart is conditioned to be able to see what God is saying. So when you read the Bible, you know, you are able to understand it better. When you read the Bible, 
it, it's not just mere words. There are a lot of people that read the Bible and they don't understand the Bible. And there are a lot of people that read the Bible and they understand it intellectually. But the Word of God goes beyond intellectualism. The Word of God is spirit and the Word of God is life. Hallelujah. That's why you have to pray. Tell the next person next to that, pray. Pray for revelation. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Another thing that happens is that when you pray for revelation, you pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, what happens is that your outer man is broken. Your outer man is broken. What do we mean by the outer man? The outer man is the flesh. The outer man is the flesh. So when you pray, and the flesh prevents us, the, the flesh hinders us, the flesh limits us from really seeing what God is saying, from understanding spiritual things. And so the Bible says that what the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So with our natural mind, we cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. You can't understand the Bible. You can't understand spiritual things with your natural mind. But when you pray, the natural man is broken. The outer man is broken. And the spirit man is energized. Your spirit man is strengthened. Your spirit man is equipped to receive from God. Hallelujah. When you pray also, when you pray for wisdom and revelation, what happens is that your wrong concepts, your wrong mindsets, your wrong ideologies, a lot of people have wrong concepts about God. They have wrong mindsets about God, about the word of God, and all those things. But when you pray, when you pray the efficient prayers, and when you pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, your prayer helps, your prayer deals with your wrong concepts. Your prayer deals with the wrong mindset, the wrong concepts that you have concerning spiritual things. Hallelujah. So, Paul said that what? The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe. Hallelujah. How many of you are enjoying the message? Today there's a teaching service. Let's get back to verse 18. When you look at verse 18, 18 and 19, Paul prayed something. And when he, the thing he prayed for, he prayed for three things. He prayed for three things. He said, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know, number one, the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Number two, the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints. So the first thing that we have to know is the hope of God's calling. The second thing we have to know is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, in you and I. And the third thing that we have to know is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. The exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Praise the Lord. So three things in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Three things. Number one, the hope of his calling. Tell the person the hope of his calling. And tell the person the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Hallelujah. What is the hope of God's calling? What is the hope of his calling? The hope of his calling is also the reason for his calling. The purpose for his calling. 
Why has God called us? Why has God chosen us? Why has God foreordained us? Why has God predestinated us? Why did God create us? That is the hope of his calling. And we have to know the hope of his calling. Amen. We have to know the hope of his calling. So what is the hope of his calling? The hope of his calling, the answer is given to us in Ephesians chapter 3. When we read Ephesians 3, the Ephesian prayers in Ephesians 3, that's a prayer for experience. Paul speaks about we being filled with all the fullness of God. We being filled with all the fullness of God. So that is the hope of God's calling to us. That is the hope of God's calling to us. That is the hope of God's calling to us. That we will be filled with all the fullness of God. Earlier on, I showed you a scripture, Colossians 2 verse 9, where it says that, For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I told you that Christ is our prototype. Christ is our example. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the, was the God-man, where he was filled with all the fullness of God. And so it's God's desire, or the hope of God's calling, the reason why God has called us, is so that we too will be filled with all the fullness of God. What does it mean to be filled with all the fullness of God? It means to the maximum load of God. To be filled with the maximum load of God. That means that as you are like that, then there's the possibility that you'll be filled with all of God. You'll be walking on earth filled with all of God. Hallelujah. That is God's desire. And I pray that we all get to that place in Jesus' name. And for us to get to that place, we must be praying the efficient prayers. I remember Kenneth Hagin, the man of God, Kenneth Hagin, one day he was like, you know, he said there are times that he becomes so full of God that he, he tells God to turn it off. It's like, he, he feels like, he, he gets to a place where he feels like he's, he's slipping into eternity. That, 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 that's what happened to Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. Enoch walked with God so much and he became so full of God that eventually one day Enoch, Enoch just woke up one day and it's like he was just walking and he just stepped into glory. Enoch didn't die. He just, he just disappeared. Why? Because he was full of God. He was, when, when he gets to a place where you are full of God, it's like the natural elements, the, the natural laws of science, you know, they cannot hold you. You, you are above them. And that is what, you know, when Jesus resurrected, that's the kind of realm Jesus was operating in. That is why he could enter a room by passing through the walls and the doors. When you are full of God, you are not restricted. You are not limited by natural laws, by the laws of physics and the laws of science and the laws of chemistry. Say, I'm a God man. I'm full of God. I'm full of the maximum load of God. Hallelujah. So that was Kenneth Hagen. Kenneth Hagen. So when I'm saying you are not excited about him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kenneth Hagen was so full of God. That man was so full of God. That he was, you know, he was he was one step away. He didn't die of sickness. He didn't die of diseases. He didn't die of infirmities. Hallelujah. So the hope of his calling, the hope of God's calling, is that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. 
And it makes you understand that man is God's dwelling place. Man is God's dwelling place. Man is God's tabernacle. The Bible tells the book of Ephesians 2 that we are being built up. We are being built up onto a spiritual house. We are being built up onto a spiritual house. And the Bible said that what? That will be filled with all the fullness of God. First Peter 2 says, To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and gracious. But that ye also as living stones are being built up unto a spiritual house to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God in Christ Jesus. So we are, we are God's dwelling place. Say, I'm God's dwelling place. You know, we are God's tabernacle. And, and God desires to dwell in us. And not just to dwell in us partially, but to dwell in us fully. To dwell in us fully. Hallelujah. So that is the hope of his calling. How many of you are excited about this, the hope of his calling? <laughs> Amen. You see, when you work in this realm, you work above demons and principalities. Jesus was never stranded. I, I showed you, Jesus was never stranded while he was on the earth. Jesus was never a victim. Jesus was never disadvantaged. Jesus was full of God. He was full of God. He was never stranded. When the demons even saw Jesus, you know, they were, they were screaming. They were screaming and they were shouting, Has thou come to destroy us before the time? And about it, Jesus said that, Behold, I give unto you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I see you walking in that realm in Jesus' Amen. name. So the first thing is the hope of his calling. So we, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we need the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened so that we can know, we can see, we can perceive the hope of God's calling. The second one is what? The richest of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Or you can put it at the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. Who are the saints? You and I are the saints. The saints are the Christians. The saints are those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. And the Bible is saying that we must know the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. What it means is that when we become saints, when we become Christians, there's an inheritance that is available to us. There's an inheritance that you are entitled to. Amen. There's an inheritance that you are entitled to. And so Paul is saying that, Paul is praying that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we will know the inheritance, the glorious inheritance that we are entitled to. So what is this glorious inheritance that we are entitled to? What is this glorious inheritance that we are entitled to? Some people think that it is money. Some people think that it is deliverance. Some people think that it is cars. Some people think that it is visas. But the glorious inheritance that we are entitled to as saints, it goes way beyond all these things. It goes way beyond all these things. And I'm going to show you the glorious inheritance. Hallelujah. The glorious inheritance of the saints. That which God wants to give us. That which God wants to give you. 
God wants to give you something. Amen. Amen. God wants to give you something. And that thing that God wants to give you is glorious. It, 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 It transcends glory. It is glorious. The, the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Are you ready to know? Yes, Are you excited to know? Yes. <laughs> the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints is the triune God. The triune God himself and all that he is, all that he has attained, all that he has obtained, and all that he has accomplished. This is the inheritance that God has given us. So the inheritance that God has given us is himself. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. You see, people are, not, people are not clapped, they are not excited. And that's why, you know, during the worship time, I told you, I saw an eagle. And that eagle is to usher us into that realm where we'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Where it will be your delight to receive God. Because what else do you want about God? And you must realize that it's a privilege. It's an, it's, it's an honor than us that we would receive God. A lot of people want to receive the president. If, if the president of Ghana is coming to your house, will you not be happy? You know, so people, a lot of people are looking forward to receiving their beloveds. Oh, wow. <laughs> to receiving their husbands or their wives. Wow. But you see, God has brought us to that place where we can receive him. And I'm saying that the inheritance in the saints is the triune God and all that he is. And that's why Paul said, well, the riches of the glory, the, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the riches, the riches of God signify all that Christ is. It signifies the elements of God, the elements of God, the nature of God. Those are his riches. The things that constitute God, his constituents, those are his riches. The things that God is made up of. Those are his riches. And Bible is saying that what? And, and I'm saying, telling you that God's desire is that we receive the triune God. And I'm saying triune God because, you know, what we have received is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is what we have received. That is who we have received. That's the Trinity. That's the triune God. So, that's the inheritance that God has given to us. All that God is, all that God has, and I said that all that Christ has attained and obtained and accomplished for us. Give the Lord a clap, offering.